Good morning, everyone. It's great to be able to bring God's word to you, such a privilege. But before I do so, I just want to bring a note of encouragement from here in North Bushy. Over the past couple of weeks, I've had the privilege of leading four young people to give their lives to Jesus on the streets just outside my house here in North Bushy. And that's because the message of Jesus has the power to transform lives and that God is moving through us, through people like me, through people like you, to be able to bring his kingdom into this world so that people might be able to live the life for which they were created. God is on the move and let's be encouraged that he is choosing to use people like us so that his kingdom might come and his will might be done in our communities as they are, as it is in heaven. And so as I begin to look at God's word today, I just want to ask us a question. Are you living a full life? I don't mean is your heart beating and your lungs breathing and there's some brain activity. I hope by the fact that you're even watching this that all of those things are true. But I mean, are we living the life for which God created us? Are we living a full life? Jesus himself said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This full life, it's not just a case of biological existence. It's about what God wants to do in our lives. Something that is full, something that is full of hope, something that is full of joy, that God is living in us. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this story from Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was poured out on his people. And Peter starts a message to the great crowd that was gathered there. And he looks at the prophecy from Joel and he says that the young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams and your sons and daughters will prophesy and there will be signs in the heavens above and wonders on the earth below. That sounds to me like the full life for which Jesus came. And so Peter comes now to point out the fact that it is only through Jesus that we can have life. Jesus brings life. And he now turns the message to Jesus to show us and to show the people who were gathered there why we can have this life. And so I'm going to read from Acts 2 verses 22 to 24. And it says this in the New International Version. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so Peter begins this message about Jesus. And at the heart of this message, in the middle verse that we see here, we see that it is about the cross. It is because of the cross that Jesus brings life. Jesus brings life through his death. Paul writes in many of his letters about what Jesus' death means for us. And he writes in 2 Corinthians 5 that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. What that means is that Jesus, who was this perfect man, who did everything that God asked of him, who never sinned, who never let God down, he chose to go to the cross for us. He had no sin, but he was made sin as our sin and as our wrongs and our selfishness was laid on Jesus on the cross. And as that happened, Jesus became sin for us. 
and we become his righteousness. In other words, that we become right with God, that we are set free from all those things that we have done wrong, from all those times where we've, got, we've let God down, where we've gone our own way. Sometimes we think about sin as something that is where we are immoral or where we've done something illegal. And of course, those things are sin, but sin is so much more than that. Sin is all those times where we have failed to glorify God, where we have turned our back on him, where we have not allowed him to be God of our lives. That is sin. So when we put it like that, everything that we've done where we haven't put God first, our whole lives are sin. And so all those moments where we've turned our back on God were laid on Jesus on the cross and Jesus became sin. So that it is if before God we have never sinned when we've given our lives to Jesus. That's why Jesus came. And uh, Peter says in this message that it was because of God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge that actually God knew that this was needed throughout creation for all time. And even as mankind turns our back on him in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve turned their backs on God, God still promised even then that one of their descendants would be the one who would bring hope to the world, who would bring us all back into a relationship with God. And then God narrowed it down further by going to Abraham, making a covenant with him, making a nation out of him, and one of his descendants would be someone who would bring hope to the world. And then through his family, and his son Isaac had two children, and the younger of those children, Jacob, he was one for whom the covenant would continue. And then Jacob had 12 children, and he, and again, God revealed to Jacob that it would be through his son Judah who would bring hope to the world. And then through Judah, as the plan started, as the plan continued, we see that it was through his son David, in fact, King David, that the, the plan of God to bring salvation to the world through one of his descendants would come. The plan was narrowed down to this family, ultimately to Jesus, so that when Jesus lived, he, he fulfilled all those prophecies, all those times where God made his promises to the people of God, to Israel. And God planned it from the beginning, that it would be Jesus, from this family that started through Abraham, because of his death on the cross, that we might be able to come back into a relationship with God. And in fact, it was so much a part of God's plan that we read in Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus even existed in this world, Isaiah writes this, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, was, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You see, God planned this from the beginning. He knew what it would take. He knew he would have to see his son suffer, not only the pain, that physical agony, but also this moment in time where God the Father could not look at God the Son because God the Son had become our sin. And God the Father, in his holiness, his wrath was poured out on the sin of the world, on Jesus. That's how much he loved us, that he planned it and Jesus chose it to go into this world to become our sin. And you know, I grew up as a Christian, really, in a Christian household. My dad was a church leader, and I knew Jesus from a really young age. I gave my life to him when I was five or six, and I knew that I needed Jesus. 
But in truth, I'd grown up in such a way that I didn't really know what the depths of my, my heart, the sin in my life really meant. So I didn't really think I needed Jesus. I'd, I'd give my life to him to, to an extent, but actually I hadn't realised how much I needed him because I thought that I was okay on my own. I thought that I could take and go my own way and get myself to God because I was okay really, that I didn't need Jesus. And it wasn't until my late teens that I went to university and I moved away from the bubble at home, the Christian bubble, that I realised that I, I was completely broken, that I was a sinner, that on my own, I would go my own way and I would give in to all kinds of temptations and that I, was, I needed Jesus. I needed saving. I needed forgiveness. I needed to turn my back on all those things. And actually, as I've grown older, I've realised that without Jesus, I am nothing. I'm a broken man. Someone who has let God down time after time after time. And even in my good moments, I still cannot really fathom what it means that Jesus has set me free from those, those sins, the times where I've gone my own way. Even in my good moments, I can still be far short of what God wanted from me. The standards from what he set. And without him, I'd be doomed for destruction, that I'd live a life that was existing and ultimately I would die. But with him, he set me free from those moments. And I can live in the freedom that though I've sinned, actually I am now saved by his amazing love, by his grace. And his death on the cross means that my sins no longer exist. And I can choose to live for him and live in a relationship with God all the time. And I just want to look at this word crush that Isaiah used about Jesus. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sins. When you think about making olive oil, what happens is that the olives have to be crushed and then the oil pours out. The oil, the stuff that we use in our cooking and in our food, this good stuff comes because the olives had to be crushed. And in a very similar way, Jesus had to be crushed. Jesus had to bear the weight of sin. Jesus had to die. And because of that, the oil of his Holy Spirit can be poured out on us so that we can live the full life that he wants for us. The reason Peter is saying that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, the reason that there were people speaking in tongues and the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people was because Jesus was crushed for our sins, for my sin and for your sin. And the full life we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit is because Jesus was crushed. And so the things that we can do, the things that we can do in his presence, the things that we can move in, the, the gifts of the spirits, the healing, the, the very things that we love to see, the full life that Peter says in the prophecy from Joel here, and is only possible because of Jesus' life and Jesus' death. Jesus brings life through his death. And we can live by the power of the Spirit. And whether we've known Jesus a long time or whether we've not even given our life to him yet, I ask that question, is this our experience? Are we experiencing that full life for which Jesus came? And of course, we see as Peter started this message, he talked about the miracles and the signs of wonders, the signs and wonders that God caused in Jesus' earthly life. 
and we see that Jesus brings life through his miracles. And the reason the miracles could happen were because of his death. They looked forward to his death. And actually this prophecy from Joel and all that could happen that we would be people that bring healing and reconciliation to the world is because of Jesus' death. And we can look forward to seeing miracles because Jesus brings life through them. Jesus' death is able to en- is, enables us to bring life through miracles. And when we see the miracles that were accredited um, to Jesus, that uh, were part of his life, that, was, that happened all the time, we see that God is proving that Jesus is king over everything that we see. That Jesus is king over creation. Think about the miracles of Jesus walking on water and calming the storm. It showed that Jesus was king over creation that Jesus was king over sin. We've already talked about that in his death. But in Mark 2, this man who has been crippled for life is brought to him. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And when people questioned it, he says, just to prove that Jesus, that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, he tells the man to get up and walk, take his mat and go on your way. Why? Because Jesus has the power over sin. He is the power to take us away from the life that we're living into a full life, a life that is whole, that is, that is full, that he desires for us. Jesus is king over sickness. Jesus healed all kinds of diseases. He made the blind see. He made the deaf hear. He made the mute able to speak. He raised people who had been crippled for life, who were disabled, up so that they could live a life where they were walking and running away and praising God. There was, he was able to heal fevers. He was able to heal leprosy. There was nothing that Jesus was not able to heal because Jesus is king over sickness. And he was king over the enemy. He was the king over Satan. The number of times that he was able to cast out demons from people and setting them free, delivering them from the enemy. And ultimately, Jesus was shown to be king over death. Lazarus was raised to life. Jairus' daughter was raised to life because Jesus is king over even death. These were the miracles of Jesus. And in Matthew 8, he confirms that what Isaiah said about him, that by his wounds we are healed and that that Jesus would take up our pain. He would take up our suffering. He would take up our sickness. This was being fulfilled in Jesus as he healed the many from all the things that were holding people back from the sickness, from the pain, from the death. Jesus was showing that God had planned him to come into the world to bring life through miracles. And these miracles showed that Jesus was king. You know, I've always wondered about the miracles of Jesus and even the miracles that we will go on to see as we look through Acts. Are we... Are we living in this experience that God seemed to promise and show through Jesus? In fact, Jesus said to us that we will do even greater things than he did. And I've always wondered about that. I've journeyed through life thinking, why am I not seeing that? And then I had a life-changing experience in Slovakia last year where I went to visit our friends, Michael and Luby over there, missions partners, as they build the church there. And they were part of a mission and a team from England had gone over to lead that mission. And as we did so, we went into this gypsy village and in this gypsy village was a boy where we invited everyone who had been sick to come and we would pray for them and expect that the God of miracles, Jesus, would come and heal them. And this boy had a club foot, it was twisted, it was shorter than the other leg. And the mum said that he'd never walked. 
or he'd never walked properly, that he was in a place where he, he was always going to struggle to be able to develop properly because of this leg. And so in this place of prayer, we prayed for this leg and this leg grew and it twisted out and this boy jumped up and he ran down the road and he was like, I can run. And in fact, the mum had to run after him to keep him safe. That such was the answer to the prayer. And I saw that actually Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. The miracles he did in his life are possible for us to do today by the power of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is Lord of sickness still. He is Lord of the enemy still. And that we can expect God to move in power through miracles because Jesus is still bringing life through miracles. Even last week, as I shared the gospel with someone, this, this lady came up to me and I said, is there anything that I can pray for you for? Is there a miracle that you would like God to do in your life? And she said, I suffer from schizophrenia. And I prayed for her. And after that precious, oh, thank you. I was having such a bad day with my head and all these things going around in my head. And now I feel so much better. You see, just the mention of Jesus' name, praying in Jesus' name has the power to overcome the sickness and the things that are holding us back, the things that are not part of God's design for our life, but came into the world because of our sin. But because of Jesus, sin and the consequences of sin have been dealt with in this world. And so because of that, because he was crushed so that the oil of the Holy Spirit can flow through us, we can bring healing, we can bring life, and we can bring his hope into this world and bring his kingdom down in North Bushy, in central Watford and wherever we are. Because Jesus is in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And is this our experience? Is this what we see on a day by day basis? Do we need God to fill us again that we might live a life by the power of the Holy Spirit? And of course, Jesus brought life through miracles, and he still does. But of course, those miracles that Jesus did, even in his day, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed all those sick, but ultimately, all of those people ended up dying. And so those miracles were great, but it is not the greatest miracle. And Peter goes on to say in Acts 2 that it is because God raised Jesus from the dead, that it's because Death could not hold him down because he was a perfect sacrifice, because he had given his life up for us. He came back to life and showed that what he did on the cross was enough. It was enough to conquer sickness. It was enough to conquer sin. And it was enough to conquer death. That he came back to life and showed himself to his disciples and to all those around him. And even those who were persecuting the early church in Paul, Jesus revealed himself to those people to show beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is Lord of this earth. And to show that death cannot hold him down and that because Jesus is alive, we can also be alive and live this full life that he wants for us. Jesus brings life forever. And even though we can expect to die from this life, our life doesn't end there. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can come back and be raised back to life in his presence forever. And we can have hope that beyond the grave, beyond sickness, beyond the circumstances in which we live, Jesus is alive. And we can live forever in his presence. As I said, I grew up in a Christian household. And when I was 15, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer and for a moment it wasn't certain whether she would live or die. And in that moment I was forced to face questions of my own mortality, my parents' mortality, my family's mortality. And for the first time thinking, well, 
what, what hope is there that if we live and then die, what difference does it make? And I saw in my parents the example of hope that even though my mum was facing an uncertain future, and for maybe all of us, we are facing an uncertain future as we think about what COVID means and all the implications and the potential changes that are going to happen in the future and even, even death that has happened this year. But actually, there is still hope in Jesus because death could not hold him down. God raised him back to life again so that we might have hope forever. And even last year, my grandfather died. He was a man of, who loved God. He was a man who I loved and I miss terribly even now. But as we stood in the crematorium and we committed his body to the grave, if you like, we sang, when I stand in glory, I shall see his face and there I'll serve my king forever. In that holy place because Jesus is alive and I get emotional about this because Jesus sacrifice was enough to bring me life and so that even though my grandfather died and my parents will die and one day I'll die even though there might be suffering in this world we can have hope because Jesus is alive and our future is secure when we come to him and give our lives to him because our sin has been dealt with and we can enter into the presence of God we can serve him forever in that holy place, we become holy ourselves because of his love for us. Jesus brings life forever. And so there may be some of you who are sitting there and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never had that hope. And I want to come back to the question that I asked at the beginning. Are you living the full life? In order to live that full life, we see, and we'll come on to this as we go through Acts, that Peter says the way that you can be saved is to repent. And what we mean by repent is to turn from our old life, acknowledge our need for Jesus, to move away from the sin in our lives and cast it onto Jesus on the cross. Turn back to him. Do we recognise our need for him? And I'm going to pray a prayer now that just gives us an opportunity to give our lives to Jesus for the first time, to acknowledge our need for him to repent and turn back to him. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, then pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me enough to die on the cross for me. I'm sorry for living life my own way. That changes today. I choose to follow you. I choose to surrender my life to you. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit to help me live a life for you. Thank you that I can live forever because he rose again. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, why not acknowledge so and tell us as a church, write it in the YouTube chat or the Facebook chat and just let us know that you've given your life to Jesus. Start off as you mean to go, living life publicly, knowing that Jesus has given your life for him, for you. And before I go, I just want to highlight the other things that Peter says in order to, to, for us to live the life that God wants us to. He says um, in Acts 2 verse 38 that we must repent and be baptised and receive the Holy Spirit. And actually being baptised is, is something that we should all consider. 
There are four kinds of baptism spoken about in the Bible. And I just want to mention two now. Baptism in water, being immersed in water as a symbol of what Jesus has done in our lives. That we go down into the water dirty and sinful, but then we come out cleaned and, and set free because of Jesus on the cross and raised back to life because Jesus is alive. If you have given your life to Jesus today or before and you haven't been baptised, why not do so today and let us know either on the YouTube chat or by emailing the email address prayer at wellspring-church.org. And also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Let the oil that came out because of Jesus' death pour out over us. Enable us to live the life that he wants us to, that we might see healing and that we might see salvation and we might see lives changed because we are living a life in line with what he wants us to do. A life that is full, the life that Jesus brings. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and have your way in us now. In the name of Jesus.